Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic interview show. It's episode 571. We've got a great guest. We've got Paul Lancy with us. Paul is an active web developer, has been an agency owner. We're going to be talking about all things agency, freelancing, how to keep your mental health to the up and ticker, as they would say, down under, and um, all things WordPress. So, Paul, would you like to give us a quick 20-second intro about yourself? I'll try. I'll try. 20 seconds. Okay, I've already down lost five already. Uh, so I used to, uh, I was co-founder of an agency called the Dickie Bird Studio, which I'm currently closing down. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit today. Uh, prior to that, I've been working in WordPress, um, either as a freelancer or an agency owner for the last 15 years or so, uh, self-employed. Um, more recently, I've gone back to freelancing uh, I do some freelancing for Beaver Builder and a bunch of other clients as well and do some care plans and stuff like that. And then similar to the WP Tonic uh, panel show that you do every week, um, I'm the co-host of um, one of your um, your enemy shows, uh, the This Week in WordPress, which is me and Nathan Wrigley. We do a kind of weekly um, panel show. So we're, we're uh, no, we're friends. Oh, really, well. aren't we? What did... What did Picasso say? You know, copying. Um, what, I forgot what he said. Actually, Picasso. Is it like the greatest form of, you know, um, flattery or something? Is, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Stephen, I've got my great co-host with me. Stephen, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners? Yeah, my name is Stephen Satter. I'm from Zipfish.io, where we make WordPress fast by optimizing <clears throat> servers and the code that runs on them. Before we go into the main part of the interview, I just want to mention our major sponsor, that is Kinster Hosting. Kinster is a WordPress hosting provider only, specialises in um, the hosting of large websites like WooCommerce, Lift LMS, Learn Dash, or any kind of large membership site. Um, they offer great technology, Google Cloud, all the latest uh, versions of PHP, um, great support. So if you're looking for a great hosting partner for yourself or for clients, I suggest that you go over to Kinsta, buy one of their packages. And if you do do that, and I strongly advise you to do that, go and tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic website. It helps Kinsta and it helps support the show. So, Paul... You know, like I say, you, you're greatly experiencing the WordPress community and using WordPress. And like you're closing down your um, agency. Um, you know, that's all, you know, the ending of something and the beginning of something new is always painful. I just want to discuss quickly with you what are some of the main differences between being a successful freelancer and being an agency owner. So maybe you, on reflection, can you point out like two to three major differences in in the roles, really? Mm -hmm. Well, I've been a freelancer twice. And then in between those times, I've been an agency owner twice as well. And um, I've been really good at one of those things and quite 
bad at the other one. And the one that I wasn't very good at was the agency owner. But in terms of like, if we're sort of looking at a definition, like my own definition of the difference between the two, uh, there's there's kind of the stock, the stock definition of, let's say, a freelancer first, which is someone who's kind of working in the sort of gig economy where they've got a bit of a feast or famine sort of workflow. They're working with this client. They come in, they do an, a job. That job could be just a few hours or it could be a couple of weeks. But they do that job and then they come back out of that relationship until that client or partner needs that person again. And a freelancer is generally classed as an independent individual. And sometimes that person will bring in some of their associates, but they don't typically, by the definition, hire people. Uh, An agency, on the other hand, um, is... And I do think a lot of these things are mis... um, a misexplained or misdefined sometimes. But an agency, on the other hand, is typically seen as something where there's a bit more of a 360-degree service offering usually. So you might have a freelancer. A freelancer might do uh, Facebook ads, whereas an agency is more likely to be doing a marketing strategy, which includes Facebook ads, and they might hire that freelancer, for instance. Also, generally, it's, it's kind of expected that an agency has um, employed team members uh, who are more permanent than freelancers. Again, it's not always the case. And an agency is often seen as a business that is intended to grow. So it starts out, it has a period of investment where it needs to build up clients and all that sort of stuff. And the general idea is to that people always talk about is scaling it. On the flip side, you've got your freelancers where the general... Uh, criticism of the idea of freelancing is that there's like a ceiling that you can reach. And when you reach that ceiling, you're out of hours to work. So you need to turn into an agency. And those are the definitions that I kind of run by. But I actually disagree with those definitions as well, to a certain extent. And um, because they're a little bit too rigid, I think. And um, there's some misconceptions, I think, in there as well. I don't know if we want to get into those. But uh, yeah. uh, I just got a quick follow-through question before I throw it over to Stephen. Is that, you know, you said you've been an agency owner twice and you know, the rest of the time being a freelancer. So looking back, um, you know, um, I think Dickie Bird is your your last agency. What would you say was one of the major problems that you faced with that agency that that led to your decision to close it down? Uh, it's, I think, um, here's the thing. So when you're a successful freelancer, which a lot of us get to, uh, you get to this virtual glass ceiling where you're supposed to not be able to earn any more money or something. And you will have a lot of friends potentially that are also freelancers or agency owners. And they will always have that in the same way that when you go to like a family get together. And if you're not married, but you're with a partner for a long time, they'll start saying, you, when are you getting married? And then when you get married, they're like, when are you having kids? Or if you've got kids, they're like, when are you getting married? That's wrong or something. But you can have a lot of these conversations with your peers and they'll be like, oh, you're a freelancer. You know, there's a ceiling to that. You should really start an agency. And there's not many people that you meet that will say the opposite. Like, oh, do you know what? You're a freelancer maybe you should look at some alternative streams of income to complement your freelance work and start, you know, mixing things up. But 
And the reason I sort of profess, uh, profess that with um, your question was that for me, I was a successful freelancer and I'm a creative and a developer. And I felt that the right thing to do was starting an agency, but I'm, I was completely the wrong kind of personality. I'm a creative, I'm a doer, I'm a technician, a search, and, and going into a situation where you, to earn the same money, you've almost got to earn five times the same money if you're employing a couple of people in the agency. To take on that stress that you don't realize, you often jump into these situations with lots of optimism, uh, blind optimism, which is good. But uh, it's good to listen to a few people sometimes who've been there and can give you a couple of the the warnings and the things to watch out for as well. So in terms of like what went wrong, um, I think uh, a, a good creative or developer isn't always a good fit to be a good CEO. And I think that's where it went wrong for me. Yeah. You know, the company didn't completely fail, but me personally, uh, I was... Um, I was I was just burning out. <laughs> I was just burning out and and constantly looking for, you know, little signs that maybe things were okay and stuff like that. But I think if you I heard, I read I heard something the other day um uh, the only thing that a rundown um CEO can can do is run down his own company or her company or whatever, but that's that's where it came to I think in the end I just got to a point watched a Disney film at Christmas called Soul, I think it was called. Uh, watch that film with my family, just sitting there normally. At the end of the film, it's one of those kind of films that it's about what you should be doing in life and, and that kind of thing. And I was just burst out in tears in front of my six-year-old and 13-year-old. <laughs> and they're probably wondering, what the hell's wrong with dad? You know, yeah, it was a bit sad at the end. but And I'd had lots of this kind of bursting out crying moments Um Oh, I have them regularly, especially with some some of my clients. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they may. Um, yeah. I'm starting to be flippant there, but it's true, right? That's Thanks. it. I think you, <laughs> over time you you start to. Um, I think the the crying aspect. I've put it on my Twitter profile. I'm a crybaby because I was for the last year, but the 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 kind of uh, the outward emotion of, is helpful because you start yeah. to realise there's something wrong, and uh, and when you're holding it all in, but eventually it gets to a point where you just have to really have a good conversation with yourself and watch a good Disney film, and you'll be all right. Yeah, there you go. Over to you, Stephen. Man, like, uh, just, like, hearing what you're saying, like, resonates with me a lot. That, like, once... That there, there's a lot, I think, like, of society that pressures you to keep building bigger and, like, keep going for more. And there's nobody that's saying, hey, maybe if you just, like, go for a little bit less, your life will actually be a lot more valuable or a lot more, right? Like, like you have more free time, you have more control over what happens. And when you, when you get on like that agency, like flywheel or bandwagon or whatever, like you can't stop because you have other people that you're trying to pay and you got to like press harder and harder and harder and harder. And it just feels like it gets like bigger and bigger as time goes on. Um, do you think there's a point where it becomes easier though? Like, where if you can figure out the path through the agency route, like that the agency life becomes easier? Or do you think it's always like running an agency because it involves more people? You can't just say, okay, you know what? I need to pause for the next week and take, you know, a week vacation with my family or whatever, um, because there's, you know, 10 people or however big your agency is depending on you. Um, for the right person, it's the right job. It's the right thing to do. Uh, let's say you um, worked in digital 
digital marketing or something like that for the last 10 years in maybe corporate sales in another agency or something like that. You never tried to do the design. You never tried to do development. Your job was to build great relationships with clients, to pull in sales and to work with your team. Let's say you worked in that kind of company. You got um, made redundant from your job. You got a $40,000 payout or something like that. And you're wondering what to do. You've already got the, the right mindset about this is what I do. I create the relationships and keep the sales coming in. I now need to use my $40,000 to to either go on holiday and get another job or I can invest it in a team or some associates and try and actually build an agency. And that person knows from the get-go what it is that they're trying to achieve. And I think that creatives and developers, not all, not everybody, but a lot of us will come from a, an angle of, um, okay, I, I need to earn a bit more money and I want to have more impact on the work that I do. And it's it's not a good bet to jump into the CEO role of an agency and think that that's the most likely outcome. It might be. And like I say, the person who comes out of corporate sales and he's got the right mindset for it will probably have a situation in maybe six years because it takes, you know, five to six years to build a, a really good business like that where they're building out awesome work. But, uh, the gamble is, is definitely not in their favor. There's a lot of agencies that don't achieve great work. They achieve a lot of mundane work and they keep the bills paying, they keep the lights on. Maybe the CEO can go on holiday or something and there's some people looking after stuff. But you also hear a lot of CEOs who go on holiday after six years of running a business and they still can't go on holiday and the whole thing doesn't fall apart when, they, when they've when you know arrived home. So I think there is a way through it. Um, there's lots and lots of advice out there on how to do it. There's all sorts of courses and blueprints and stuff like that. Uh, but you've got to match the skills and the situation with the right person. And my, you know, my my thing, my learning point from all of this is, um, you can think for yourself. You know, you can think for yourself and think, well, what do I actually want to do? And then have conversations with people around you and think for yourself. And 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 weigh up all the different options and think, what is the best route for me? Is it a job, freelance, or agency? So yeah, I think there is a way to do it. I just was never personally able to to get the right the right mix because it wasn't you know uh, the right thing for me as such. Um, Do you think that, um, or it sounds like you're saying that is a problem that mainly plagues the like the the product the the producers of the work right like the designers or the developers. Uh, but if you start from a I can't do the work sort of thing, like oh I'm just a relationship kind of guy, like the, like the relationships are the the work that you're doing, right? And the selling and the client management and account executive or however or whatever is going on. Um, that is primarily a issue that plagues the the work doers or work creators. I think it is an issue for those people. Um, we were talking earlier about um, a book called The E Myth Revisited, which I read and spoke about on some podcasts a couple of years ago. And I think I misinterpreted, the, <laughs> I think I misinterpreted um, what the book was telling me to a certain extent, but that's books and, you know, advice where you can look at it from different angles. I think it is the case that what this book kind of talks about is this story about this baker who um, is really good at her baking, has a small kind of artisan business, just herself, baking cakes for a certain amount of people. And she wants to scale it, scale it up. And what she really struggles with is that 
everything that is successful about her business is her mm. and her um, her skills. So she didn't realize that she'd built up a really positive personal brand and that it was not that she could sell more cakes. It was that people wanted the cakes made by her. So when she starts a business, um, she has to get to work getting um, a premises, getting all the equipment, hiring some team, you know, team to do some of the baking and stuff like that. And what she finds is she's no longer making the cakes and all the customers don't think that they taste as good anymore. And so she's losing customers and she's managing people and she's working till 4 a.m. She's getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning to turn the baking machines on and all that sort of stuff. And she's finishing at, you know, 10 p.m. at night and that kind of thing. And um, I don't know if it's a true story or not. The book kind of says it as it is, but it just kind of shows that those, those doers, the artisans, the designers, the creative, it's very, very difficult if you love the work that you do to detach yourself from it and say, okay, I'm for the next five years, I'm going to think in a completely different way. I'm not worried about my quality of work. I'm going to build it back up so that in five years' time, my reputation, but as an agency this time, is all really good. So they get involved in everything. So they, you know, they 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 hire the staff, they're trying to run the bakery, they're trying to make the cakes at the same time. They burn out, the customers aren't happy, the staff leave because they're, you know, they've just got a grumpy CEO all the time. And it it doesn't it doesn't really work out for them. So I think um, it is a bit of a curse of the creatives and the writers and the, the artisans, I, I believe, anyway. Yeah, I, that's a really good point. Sorry, go ahead, John. I think, I think it's time for us to go for our break. The fifth, um, We'll be back in a few moments with this great discussion. We'll be back soon. Launch Flows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back. Um, we've had a great discussion with Paul um, so far. I thought that was a great example, Paul, but um, I think you, you said some real words of wisdom in the first half of the show there. I think, and um, definitely, I think, I think there's a lot of ways 
to reduce the risk here. And it's based on bitter, my own bitter experience about how I run WP Tonic. And uh, maybe we can go into that in this half or we'll probably leave it to the bonus content that people can watch on the YouTube channel. Um, but what I think, um, what I think one of the main key points is which a lot of creative struggle is when you've got an agency, you really got to focus on sale relationships and sales and marketing materials that can position the agency or the business and put you in front of your target audience. And you've got to really understand who your target audience is, which is a totally other subject. Um, and I think a lot of people that are very good at coding or very um, good at graphic design or whatever, whatever their superpower is, um, they really struggle with that, Paul, because it, it's like they're giving up the reason why they got involved in the industry in the first place and they're just doing something which they really don't really want to do. Exactly. Yeah. And there's... There's other ways, uh, if you're a freelancer, the positive things that I've realized about being a freelancer is that there is another path to going, okay, the only way I move forward from here is to do something I don't want to do for five years and risk messing it all up. And I think this is the thing about all, all three of us here are on, um, you know, on a podcast and we're involved in many different things like that. And I know that all three of us know the benefits that this brings. And it's, to a certain extent, it's around personal branding. And I know that that can be kind of, some people don't like to say that word, you know, if they're kind of, you know, blue collar, working class or something like that. No, I don't want to talk about personal branding. No, 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 no. <coughs> um, but, but at the end of the day, um, we do have to remember that we are experts in what we do uh, when we get to a certain point in freelancers. And we shouldn't be shy about becoming a bit of a voice from time to time in different communities where we can uh, build a better reputation. And the thing I've noticed as a freelancer as well is that the more personal uh, branding type stuff that you do, the more you become a voice. First of all, you enjoy it because it's fun and you get to meet other people. But secondly, all sorts of doors open all of the time. Um, you know, I had a a, a really good job offer. Uh, I, I didn't take it. Uh, I had a really good job offer just last week. A phone call with um, uh, one of the top guys in one of the most famous WordPress companies. I, you know, heard that I was going freelance again. And and obviously, if I was not known in the WordPress world at all, then this person's not going to call me and offer me this opportunity. And that's as a result of... Uh, being a voice, you know, I've got no product to sell. I'm never going on, you know, things and selling my services. I haven't even got a website at the moment. I'm in that in-between stage at the moment. So I, I just but, don't know. I just don't know how you can live with yourself all. Yeah, I don't I don't know how to make websites. I don't know. I'm gonna try and learn or something. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, I think um with, a, with being a freelancer, right? It's not true that you hit a ceiling. These days in the in the world that we live in in WordPress. There's a lot of opportunities for monthly recurring or annually recurring income. There is a ton of opportunities for that. Right now, 50% of my income at least comes from care plans. And another 25% of that income comes from um, 
from my uh, retainer working with the guys over at Beaver Builder. And that's before I do any project work at all. So the project work, you know, is almost like a bonus on, on top of that. So you can get yourself into a situation where you go, okay, I've, I'm in the gig economy for a while, but I'm going to look for a good partnership with someone in the, in the industry, whether that's like a, a WordPress brand and have a part-time retainer situation with those. See if I can get some recurring income through things like care plans, website care plans and maintenance and, and stuff like that. And do you know what? If I'm going to go and be a voice for a while, then uh, mate, that, that starts creating you opportunities to think about things like digital products as well. So you can, whereas if you go into an agency as a CEO, I know I'm really giving that, that concept a real bashing at the moment, and that's just because I've been burnt from it. But if you go into that, that role as a CEO and you hire people, you do have a responsibility to be looking out for the growth of that company and the people who you've convinced to come and work for you. So you can't really go, right, I'm a CEO of this company, I'm writing a book, I'm doing this course, I'm going to do a retainer as well as, well as doing the CEO stuff. I'm going to work for this company as well. Because the people who are investing in you by deciding to work with you are think, looking at you and going, you're not really that dedicated, are you? And if you are doing that, you're not dedicated, are you? You're not dedicated to your, to your agency. You're just... It's a step uh, stone. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand where you're coming, Paul, and I, I, I agree with you to some extent. It's just that it, it's really, if your activities will benefit the business, you see the business actually as an individual almost, as long as your activities, you can say to yourself, in, in a, I have a short, medium, long-term strategy, and what I'm doing is benefiting the business short, medium, and long-term, um, it's okay. If you can't really say that in your heart, that what your activities as the front person of that business is helping that business short, medium, long, you do have a problem. Over to you, Stephen. Yeah, I, there's something that's just, I don't know, I think can bring a lot of peace or calm to one's life when you realize that you don't have to do something Right. Like just because like like we've been saying this whole time, it's like just because the world's telling you, oh, go bigger, go build your agency. Like it's like there's something pushing everyone in that direction. Um, like it, you, you don't have to do that. Like if you're happier being a freelancer, like why why do something that is going to cause more stress or be harder or not work out if, you know, you like doing what what you're doing? Um, I think something that's always fascinating to me is how one's perspective changes and shifts over time. And you mentioned that. That book that you had read, you had a different perspective of it earlier. Like, how how has your perspective changed from when you read it, you know, two years ago to like now? Uh, so, when I read it a couple of years ago, when I was starting uh, the the most recent agency, I was convinced that I needed to do this agency thing. And obviously, there's, like we say, all the messaging that you hear, there isn't many courses to say, hey, here's the course on how to not start an agency and how to not scale your agency. There's no point buying that course. And there's no point someone making it. It doesn't sell very well. Um, but the when I read it two, two or three years ago, I read it as an instruction manual on how most people get it wrong. And I saw that as like, a aha. So what I need to do is I need to start this and I need to get myself a manager uh, as soon as possible. And then I can release myself into being um, the creative side of things again. And so I, whereas now, having been through that process, I realized that 
the way I've interpreted the book this time is don't start an agency. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like, yeah, which which is the interesting thing. It's like the way I've interpreted the book, you know, it's funny just reading it again and seeing that it's also saying the reason, I mean, basically the book is about why 80 or 90% of businesses fail. That's actually what the book is all about. And it's also partly about why uh, McDonald's as a company succeeds from a franchise point, franchise point of view. Um, because people who buy a franchise in McDonald's can be entrepreneurs, but the management is taking care of them for yeah. them. At least the, 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 the sales, the marketing, all that stuff is taken care uh, for them. So they can be the manager and the entrepreneur uh, without um, the strategy side of things. They can just look after the localized thing. But yeah, like I say, the book this time, I read it and I was listening to the advice in there and I thought, yep, you could do that. That could work. You could hire the hire the missing parts of the triangle. Or you could read another book by from someone like Paul Jarvis called The Company of One, if you've ever heard of that book at all. That's an awesome book. I love Paul Jarvis's perspective on things. And then you've got other voices in the community. Uh, Lee Jackson, who I know has been on uh, Dopey Tonic quite a few times. He has a thing oh, called I think, he's given up. I think he's given up on me, Paul. Has he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's one of his, uh, you know, he has this thing called Agency Transformation, which is a, an event that he runs. And you would assume that that event is all around um, growth, but it's not. Uh, Lee's angle is all about well-being. So, because he was severely burned in his kind of... Um, first major attempt at a, uh, a web agency. He got himself into a lot of trouble, a lot of stress, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, and it still carries on with, with Lee now. You know, he's still got bad memories of that stuff that haunt him and come back and hold him back from different situations. So his whole community is all about um, good well-being. So if you are going to run an agency, these things about making sure you do it in a way that isn't what all the, the messages say, but just the way that you feel comfortable, balance. That's what he's about. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. You can just read into these different messages in a totally different way. Uh, yeah. What I guess, like, what, what I would love to know, and maybe this is, like, too personal if you don't want to go there, that's totally fine. That's but, okay. like, why why, why didn't that work? Because in my head, that's, that's exactly, like, where I would take that book. Like, Okay, hire the manager, hire the people, the right people, and then you can make it. You can make it work. But like, why? Like, what happened to make you realize that that that, that doesn't work, or that it doesn't work for you at least? So my plan uh, was to raise enough money to hire a manager, and it took you know two years to get to that point where we could afford that. So it was a case of, okay, let's you know I'll, I'll do everything more or less you know um, with a with a team of what you call kind of technicians as such. So um, the, the people in my team, um, first of all, my business partner, uh, Peter, who is also a designer, and then Adrian, who we brought in as a developer. Uh, so I hired, well, you know, me and Peter kind of hired version of ourselves in a way. Um, but we, in, in hindsight, I think that it would be a really good idea if someone starts something like this and they're a creative to get that management position that project management position that gets rid of all the daily junk, all of the, you know, because you're the CEO, you're the team maker, you're the, you're the personal accounts person, 
you're the um, the shoulder to cry on when people in the company are having a bad time or something like that. You're all those different things. So the sooner you can take away those things and be happy with the role that you're going to take, uh, the better. Because, um, and this is something that I've understood, what I understand, um, there's a bit of a, let's say, the British mentality versus the American mentality, right? Uh, car sales, car sales, right? In British company, promotes their best salesperson to the manager. And I could be wrong, this is totally generalizing. The American car sales company just pays the the best car salesperson double and gives them fat bonus. The British company, and I'm British, so I've got that, you know, mentality as such, I guess. I just lost my best developer and designer by promoting myself to the CEO. Mm. Whereas I would be much better to put in place someone at the beginning, somehow get some money for that, whether that's investment or partner with someone and make sure that I'm doing the good thing that I was doing, you know, being the person, you know, doing the branding for the company, doing the designing, doing doing some of the development, being a happy chappy inside my own company kind of thing. So um, I think that is the way to do it. And I think the trouble with that is the planets have to align in a, in a really perfect way to get that right. And I think that's why so many companies struggle because they they start 10 paces back from where they need to be. And then they're racing forward to try and get there. But, you know, if you if you sprint the first 100 meters of a 3,000 meter race, you'll be winning for the first few seconds. <laughs> but that's about it, you know, unless something happens to the rest of the people in the race, and, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was great words. We're going to finish off the podcast part of the show. Hopefully, um, Paul's going to stay on for another 10, 15 minutes, which you um, we call bonus content, which you'll be able to see on the WP Tonic YouTube channel and on the WP website with the whole interview plus the bonus content. So, Paul, uh, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and uh, get hold of you? Uh, Twitter is probably the best way to connect uh, at the moment. I mean, quite honestly, the, the the thing I'm most interested in these days is just meeting other people in this WordPress community. Um, so connect on Twitter, WP underscore Paul Lacey, and let's just connect. Oh, we'll also plug your podcast. Also, yeah, also you book. can find me yeah, um, every Monday at 2 p.m. Uh, UK time, uh, UK time. Uh, we have the This Week in WordPress podcast, which is a panel news show, which is similar to your own show uh, that you do on WP Tonic. So it's just talking all about that crazy world we live in at the moment called the WordPress economy, <laughs> whatever we call it. <laughs> well, we <laughs> did, to we, uh, I did diverge. My panel's very, uh, very patient because we we diverge all over the place, actually, Paul. Uh, no, it's um, it's so much to talk about at the moment it's in WordPress. It's brilliant. There is. Um, Stephen, what's the best way for people to get hold of you? Yeah, head over to zipfish.io, run a speed test and see how much faster you can make your website. And uh, before we wrap up the show, we're doing me and Spencer Forum, who's a regular on the WP Tonic Roundtable show, are doing a free webinar on Friday the 12th of March. And it's all going to be about marketing optimization with a real focus on um, helping the membership entrepreneur. If you're using Lifter LMS, 
um, um, Learn Dash or any platform, we're going to be showing you how to build modern funnels and how to use marketing automation to keep your students um, paying their monthly fees or attracting other students to your membership website. How do you join up for this webinar? Um, basically, go to the WP Tonic website. In the top navigation, there's a button that says webinar. You click it, you sign up, and you'll be notified um, when um, we will be going live. The reason why you should join us live is that you'll be able to ask us directly questions of me and Spencer about this whole fascinating area. So hopefully we'll see you on the 12th of March at 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. We're going we're gonna to close the podcast part of the show, but please join us on the WP Tonic YouTube channel and you can watch the rest of this interview. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 